If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warm really low welcome to Lumpy Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family and Podcast and We've got a tremendous podcast today. It's in the second segment. We go out to the great state of Pennsylvania, and that's where we find Jovan Alford. He's doing a great job with Total Sports Live. You've seen his work on DraftKings in the past along the Philadelphia Tribune. Does a great job taking a look at baseball from a wide variety of angles. The Phillies is a team that he covers quite heavily. He also does a nice job taking a look at daily fantasy along with sports betting. So we're going to be asking him about what we're all seeing in the National League East, a little bit about the Philadelphia Phillies, and just what he's noticed league-wide with regards to just couple bets to be able to take because we have been seeing such a low amount of scoring how he's been diversifying his portfolio a little bit with regards to what he's playing on a day in day out basis so we're going to be chatting with him in the second segment and then in the final segment going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all first things first always do love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast and you've got one or two ways to be able to fire those in first one is by Twitter timeline at gunit underscore 81 keep in mind letters M they meet us on matter size per usual please 
Tuesdays and Sundays into the timeline, and the other ways via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. Then from there, Arable Fire and whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. Really didn't get in any Twitter questions today, but we had another fun day of baseball on Saturday that involved some bullpen collapses. So let's get into it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know that he seems a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. The Atlanta Braves wind up rallying from down three runs in the bottom of the eighth inning, putting up a four spot to get the job done against the Padres by a count of six to five. By the way, if you wind up having the under in this game, Eight runs in the eighth inning combined between the two teams because both wound up putting up a four spot, so that's a little bit of an issue. Sean Manea, a solid start. Seven plus innings going into that eighth inning because they let him keep going. He had not given up much of anything. Winds up giving up a total of three runs while getting 12 strikeouts, but did wind up giving up a home run in the process as he wound up allowing one early on in the game to Matt Olson, fourth home run season, then in that eighth inning. Marcel Ozuna has been struggling. He goes deep off Stephen Wilson, his fifth home run season for Wilson, gives up three runs while getting just two outs to Bell Crisbett, winds up having to come out in for the final out of the eighth inning. As for the end later Rays, Charlie Morton, he was solid in this one, giving up one run over the course of six innings. Did wind up having four unearned runs given up by Will Smith. He was badly hurt by Austin Riley and Matt Olson. Pair of errors out there in the field, but Kenley Jansen winds up getting a five-out win. One and two-thirds inning scoreless A.J. Minter was able to give you a scoreless inning as well. You wind up seeing a scoreless outing from the Baltimore Orioles as they wind up getting just completely shut down by the Detroit Tigers by a count of three to zero. And the Tigers, who had lost nine out of their last ten games going into the series, two straight wins for them as they were able to get just enough off off of Bruce Zimmerman with two ends on the end of Zimmerman. Three runs, two of which were earned over the course of six innings allowed by Zimmerman and both were a pair of home runs. Willie Castro, first home run season, Eric Haas, second home run of the campaign. From there, you do wind up having Dylan Tate and Ore Lopez give you a scroll of setting on them for the Detroit Tigers. Michael Pineda could only give them four outs in this game, so Willie Peralta, two and two-thirds innings of long relief. You wind up having two scoreless innings out of Mr. Jason Foley, and then from there, Joey Menes, Andrew Chafin, Gregory Soto. All I will give you a scoreless setting. Certainly taxes a bullpen for today, but they were able to get the job done on Saturday. You also wind up seeing the St. Louis Cardinals get the job done as they shut out the San Francisco Giants by a count of 4-0. Jacob Junis, not a bad start here. Five and two-thirds innings winds up giving up two runs, including a home run to Timmy Edmond, his fourth home run season. And then you do wind up having John Bariba give up two runs in one and a third innings before Camilio Duvall is able to give you a scoreless inning, but for the Giants. Ten men left on base, one of six with Ben in scoring position as Dakota Hudson wound up being able to evade some danger to be able to give the team five scoreless innings, giving up five hits in the process. From there, Genesis Cabrera, a scoreless inning. Andre Palanti and Ryan Elsley combined to be able to give you two scoreless innings before Giovanni got he goes able to close the door and is able to get the save. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, been seeing a couple unders recently from this team at home after they had opened up with right around 65% of their home games having gone over the total. So we've seen a little bit of a reversal there. Due to playing the Cincinnati Reds a lot, the Milwaukee Brewers have gotten a little bit hot to the over and we wound up seeing them play another over on Saturday, but this was not because of their offense. 9-3. to The Miami Marlins are able to land base the Milwaukee Brewers as the Brewers did have William Thomas and Hunter Renfro both get their ninth home run season for Renfro. Mines going deep off of Dylan Floro. 
comes in for an inning, winds up giving up two runs, but Trevor Rogers, very good start, perhaps his best of the season, winds up giving up that home run to William Adams in five and a third innings. Stephen Okert is able to give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen, and then Anthony Bender and Tommy Nance able to come in for scoreless innings, and for Eric Lauer, he wound up giving up a whole bunch of long shots in this one. As as a matter of fact, he gave up three in the fourth inning. Ori Soler, sixth home run of the season. Brett Anderson is second. And Aces Aguiar is fifth as Lauer gives up those three home runs. Four runs in total over the course of five innings. Trevor got, well, he got got. Giving up four runs, two of which were earned without getting it out. From there, John Del Gustave, Hobie Milner are able to give you a scoreless inning. And JC Mejia, no idea what he's doing up at the big leagues. He's now got a 23-14 ERA because it was lowered by him giving up a run in an inning. So the Marlins sitting at 15-18, and 18, but have been relatively competitive this season. This was a relatively competitive double dip. You wind up seeing the A's and the Angels wind up splitting a pair as the Oakland A's were able to take game one by a count of four to three. This was just a gas canning by the bullpen as Jonathan Diaz, four and two-thirds inning scoreless, did wind up blocking four. So bullpen got a little bit more usage than you'd like. You wind up having Oliver Ortega give up a run in one and two-thirds innings. Aaron Loop gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Ryan Tapera scoreless inning, but then Rossio Glacius gives up a walk-off home run, giving up three runs while getting just two outs as it was the first home run of the season for the pinch hitter and Luis Barea as he wound up having for the Oakland A's a relatively solid start out of Paul Blackburn. Six and two-thirds innings, gives up one run. Sam Hall gives up his first earned run of the season, going for two outs, giving up that run. Zach Jackson, an unearned run as he was hurt by Barea giving an error as well, so he wanted giving that up in two-thirds of an inning, but Kirby Sneed, Lou Trevino, they combined to be able to give you a scoreless setting, but then in game two, it was just all about Adam Aller getting destroyed. Nine to one, the Angels are able to get it done as you did wind up having Tyler Ward and Joy Otani both get a home run. For Ward, his eighth home run season for Otani, his seventh as Aller. He was hollering for some help, giving up eight runs over the course of five innings. You'd have Justin Grimm give up an unearned run over the course of two innings. Adam Clark, a clean two innings, but for the Angels, Michael Lorenzen, very good in this one, giving up one run over the course of seven innings before Kyle Bearclaw and Mike Myers. Nothing funny about the fact that they wound up throwing scoreless eighth and ninth innings. You wound up seeing a relatively scoreless game out west as our DK Nation pick winds up hitting the under in Cubs versus Diamondbacks as the Cubs put up a three spot in the ninth to be able to get it done by a count of four to two. Mark Melanson. I think that his time has come to not be a closer in the big leagues anymore. He got no outs and he gave up three runs, all of which were earned. Now as an 849 ERA, JB Wendell was rocking a 697 ERA. He had to clean it up. Zach Allen wound up having a very good start wasted. Winds up giving up one run over the course of six innings. That was a Jan Gomes solo run his second of the season. And for Kyle Hendricks, the professor went to class. Five and two-thirds innings, giving up just one in, run in the process. You do wind up having Daniel Norris and Michael Givens give you a combined two scoreless innings. Scott Efres was able to give you an out of the bullpen in Rowanwick. He does wind up giving up a run in an inning, but was able to close things out. As for the years and the Diamondbacks, ten men left on base on this one, and Joe Manette, typically no Ramirez. Both a scoreless inning for the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Philadelphia Phillies, for the third straight day as a big underdog, wind up getting it done against the L.A. Dodgers. 8-3, the final Rangers for us. Was far from terrific in this game. Gives up three runs over the course of seven innings, including a leadoff home run to Mookie Betts, his sixth home run season. But one Julio Arias, he had to fill innings because looks like Sunday is going to be a bullpen game for the Dodgers. He gives up 
eight runs, five of which were earned over the course of six innings, including four bombs. Going deep for the Phillies, you wound up having Bryce Harper and Kyle Schwarber both get their ninth home run season. Reese Hoskins is sixth, and Gene Segura is sixth. That's Anthony Dominguez, kind of Rogdon, both give the team a scoreless inning. And you did have Reyes Maranta give you two scoreless innings for the Dodgers and Garrett Clevenger a scoreless inning, but not ideal for the Dodgers to lose three straight games at home. Very ideal for the Colorado Rockies, though. Offense was firing all cylinders. 10-4, they wind up taking down the Kansas City Royals as Carlos Hernandez wound up giving four innings in the spot, and I don't know why they let him go for He gives up nine runs, all of which were earned, including a pair of bombs going deep off of him. Charlie Blackman, fifth home run of the season. Then you do wind up having Sam Hilliard get a second home run season. Ryan McMahon a little bit later would go deep off of Ronald Bolanos for his third home run season for Bolanos. Not necessarily so bad from him, though. Does wind up giving up that solo home run, and that's all he gave up over the course of four innings. And for the Kansas City Royals, did have Bobby Wood Jr. get his second home run season off of Ashton Gadu, and then you wind up having the starter in Herman Marquez give up a home run to Salvador Perez, his sixth home run season for Marquez. Gives up three runs over the course of six innings to be able to get the W from there. Gadu winds up giving up a solo home run in his inning before Tyler Kinley, Lucas Gilbreth, able to put out the fire from there. The Mets wound up getting things a little bit airy against the Seattle Mariners, but the Mariners and their one-run luck that they wound up getting last season, not the case this year. 5-4 to four the final as the New York Mets are able to get the job done as for the Seattle Mariners. They are now just 6-6 six and six in one-run games this season after they wound up winning over 60% of them last year. As you did wind up having Jesse Winker be able to get his second home run of the season for the Seattle Mariners as George Kirby was not long for this game. Wound up having three errors behind him, giving up three runs, one of which was earned over the course of four innings from there. A bullpen of the Seattle Mariners, which has been rather pedestrian this season, unable to do the job. Penn Murphy and Andres Munoz both won an inning, both wound up giving up a run. Anthony Machevich, along with Sergio Romo, both give you a scoreless inning, but for the New York Metropolitans, Chris Bassett and Joe Klein and Singer giving up one run in five and two-thirds innings. Seth Lugo wound up giving up two runs over the course of two-thirds of an inning. Jason Shreve wound up allowing that home run to Winker. Winds up giving up one run in two-thirds of an inning. But Adam Bonavino, coupled with Edwin Diaz, able to come in for scoreless eighth and ninth innings. And for the Mets, they are now finding themselves at 23-12. and 12, So they've been rock solid there. Yankees entered into Saturday having gone 17-2 and in their last 19 games. And Liam Hendricks, I've been saying it on this podcast, this guy is not necessarily as locked down of a closer as many people would like to think. He blew another save, but White Sox come back in the ninth inning. They get it done by a count of 3-2. to two. Dallas Keuchel, five scoreless innings in this one. Very uncharacteristic of him as for the Yankees. He didn't have Jordan Montgomery not be long for this game. Giving up two runs in four and a third innings, including a home run to one Yon Moncada, his second home run season for the White Sox. They do strand 11 men on base, but Kendall Graveman, two scoreless innings for the White Sox. And Joe Kelly comes in. He gives up three hits. He gives up one run while getting one out. So Liam Hendricks had to try to go for a one and two-thirds inning save. He did wind up giving up a run in the process. So not necessarily an ideal circumstance there as for the New York Yankees. Bullpen was relatively solid in this one. Earl Chapman does wind up giving up the walk-off hit in this one as Luis Robert was able to have an RBI single. But he did wind up having Clark Schmidt give you two and two-thirds inning scoreless. And Clay Holmes was able to give you a scoreless inning as well. The Cleveland Guardians wound up going to extras, but they were able to get it done against the Minnesota Twins. 3-2, to 
They get the win in 10 innings as Devin Smeltzer gets called up from the minor leagues to make the start and not bad. Five innings gives up one run from there. Caleb Theobar, Ty Duffy combined for a scoreless inning. Joe Smith, Emilio Pagan, Yohan Duran, they all give you a scoreless inning before you have the 10th inning. Jarrell Cotton gives up two runs, one of which was earned because you've got the stupid ghost runner that begins on base. And for Shane Bieber fever, a relatively solid start out of him. He does wind up giving up a home run to Gio Urshela, second home run season, but that's all that he would give up over the course of six innings. Now, he did get a lot of seven hits and for the Minnesota Twins, I believe that they wanted straining 12 in on base, but Trevor Steven was able to give you a scoreless setting along with Nick Sandlin. Sandlin and Steven, as a matter of fact, three scoreless settings out of the two of them before Emmanuel Classe comes in. Does wind up giving up that unearned run in the 10th, but was able to keep things at bay, and they wind up getting it done. Saw a lot of unders on Saturday, but you did wind up seeing a pair of teams put up double figures. How about the Washington Nationals? 13 to 6, they wind up taking down the Houston Astros for the Astros. Jose Siri. Siri very nearly wound up getting a cycle in this one. He gets a second home run season at a triple as well. Astros wind up stranding 10 men on base, but probably wouldn't have done a lot of good as bullpen and starting pitching was not good in this one. Could have Shin Avier. Gives up seven runs in three and two-thirds innings, including a bomb to Yadiel Hernandez, his third home run season. And then Mikel Franco winds going deep off of Phil Mayton, his third home run season for Mayton. Gives up two runs in one and a third innings. Blake Taylor, four runs given up in an inning. And by the way, Astros going into Saturday, best bullpen area in the big leagues before Ryan Sanic, Hector Neris, able to give you a scoreless inning. But for the Nationals, Eric Fetty Wap wasn't too terrific in this one. He did allow that home run to Siri, giving up three runs over the course of four innings. Bullpen did their part. Tannerini does wind up allowing two unearned runs, but was hurt by Yadiel Hernandez, a fielding error there. Erasmo Ramirez, Carl Edwards Jr., Josh Rogers, I'll give you a scoreless setting. Steve Cichek gives up a run in an inning. So the Nationals, they're able to get the job done. And then the Red Sox put up 11 on the Walker Texas Rangers, 11-3 the final for Boston, you do wind up having a pair of home runs in this one. Rafael Devers, his sixth home run season, and J.D. Martinez, his fourth, as Rich Hill has now given up two earned runs over the course of his last four starts. One six innings, three runs, two of which were earned from there. Edekaza Sadamoda, Matt Barnes, and Jake Diekman. I'll give you a scoreless inning. Big that he went that deep because Sunday figures to be a bullpen game for the Boston Red Sox. Meanwhile, Glenn Otto. More like automatically giving up runs. Eight runs given up over the course of four innings, including those two bombs. Josh Shorbich gives up a run in an inning. Bart Martin gives up a run in an inning. Dennis Santana gives up an unearned run in his inning of work as Matt Moore was able to give you two scoreless. But for the Texas Rangers, still a little bit of a scuffle on offense. Just two of 11 with men in scoring position. As you also wound up having the Toronto Blue Jays be able to get the job done by a count of 5-1 to one against the Tampa Bay Rays. Hunjin Ryu. Made his first start in about a month and didn't look too bad. Wind up giving up one solo run over the course of four and two-thirds innings. That was to Yandy Diaz. And then from there, you wound up having Tim Meza, Adam Simber, Jordan Romano. I'll give you a scoreless inning with Timmy Garcia. Four outside the bullpen and for the Tampa Bay Rays, Ryan Yarbrough. He winds up giving up one run in three and two-thirds innings. He would have liked a little bit more length, but he was able to escape without giving up much. Ryan Thompson was the guy that wound up lighting this game on fire. Gives up a pair of bombs, four runs in total over the course of his inning. Going deep for the Toronto Blue Jays. You wind up having Danny Jansen get his third home run season. And Teoscar Hernandez, a pair of guys that have been banged up. Second home run season as Jason Adam, Jalen Beeks, Colin Pooch, all to give you a scoreless inning. J.P. Fireisen still has not given up an earned run this season. Four outs out of the bullpen for him. The Pittsburgh Pirates wound up putting a stop to the overstreak of the Cincinnati Reds. Reds have now played 15 out of their last 18 games over the total as the Pirates get the job done 3-1 to one in this one. And for the Pirates, 
Just their second win from a starter all season. Zach Thompson wound up taking a no-hit bit into the sixth. Winds up going six innings, no runs, one hit allowed. Will Crow from there does wind up giving up a run in his inning of work, but David Bernard, Chris Stratton, they combined to be able to give you two scoreless innings, and Daniel Vogelback wound up having the big hit in this one. Sixth home run season of a Luis Castillo, who winds up giving up three runs over the course of five innings, including that home run. Jeff Hoffman, Hunter Strickland, Roz Detweiler, the ancient one, all from there, able to give you a scoreless inning. So what we've seen in Major League Baseball recently is that it's been a little bit more balanced with regards to overs and unders in the last seven days. And take a look at the underdogs. They've been doing relatively solid, 44 and 54 over the last seven days. So they're hitting right around 45% in this last seven days. 44 overs, 45 unders. So about as 50-50 as you can get there. Season to date, we've still seen quite a bit of an under trend. 53.9% of games, according to coverage, have gone under 254, unders 217 overs, and in that time span, underdogs this season hitting at 49%, so they're making a little bit of a run, 202 and 297 straight up, so that means that favorites, they've won 297 times straight up, but if you look at the way that they've covered the run line, they have failed to cover the run line in 80 of these games, so we've seen 80 times the favorite win by approximately one run this season. That is certainly something of note, and not a lot of our away teams have been failing to cover the run line as away favorites are 109 and 70 straight up, which that's right around 61%. And away favorites have covered the run line 90 times. So out of those 80 one run wins that we've wound up seeing from favorites, just 19 of them have involved the road team. So very interesting to take a look at. And that's what we all wound up getting in Major League Baseball on Saturday. Now let's turn the page forward to Sunday. Let's get a little bit of a Philly perspective. We wound up doing this before the Phillies got the job done against the Dodgers on Saturday, but Jovan Alford does a great job of being able to take a look at all things Philadelphia sports for Total Sports Live. Also does a great job with the DFS along with the betting side of baseball as well. He's going to be joining me next to discuss this and so much more right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Dave Peterson, now a part of the Houston Family Podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. 
have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of us. We're figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it it would have been been juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television 
today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, the been podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in Lovey, Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peters, and now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And it is great to be joined by our guest as this man does absolutely terrific work. He's been taking a look at things for DraftKings throughout the last few seasons. He's out there in the great city of Philadelphia. And I know he's done a little bit of work over there at Total Sports Live as well as we've got Javon Ofer joining me on the podcast. You're able to follow him on Twitter at Javon, and then the number 10 that is all together. And Javon, always great to have you aboard, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, anytime, Greg. Glad to be on talking about baseball. We're finally starting to get into the good part of the schedule, so definitely excited to talk about it. It certainly is exciting to take a look at everything that we've been getting. And, hey, I know that you're a man that's out there in the great state of Pennsylvania, so got to ask you about this team. What have you all noticed with regards to Philadelphia Phillies this season? Because it feels like it's been a little bit of an up-and-down campaign for this team. Expected a little bit more than them being sub-500 at this point, but it does feel like things have been able to stabilize a little bit more. But I think that it's a question of, Something that we've been asking with this team for a very, very long time, the bullpen, because we wound up seeing that collapse last week against the Mets where they wound up having the six-run lead. But what if you just taken a look at with regards to the team in general? Because I do think that it's been a very strange season for them. Yeah, definitely been a strange season, very up and down season for you, like you said, because come out of spring training, there's a lot of excitement around this team, a lot of excitement around former and top prospect Mickey Moniak and what he could do out in the outfield. Then he gets hurt. So it's just kind of like that was a bummer. But, you know, this team, they've gone through ups and downs, pitching, starting pitching, went with a little rocky at first. Aaron Nola, Zach Willer, he, you know, started off a little rough around the edges, but has started to pick it up very nice in these last couple of starts. Ranger Suarez, you know, struggled at first, but he's starting to pick it up. Kyle Gibson, surprisingly, has been 
the most consistent pitcher in the Phillies rotation so far this season, who they acquired last year to trade that line from the Texas Rangers. And offensively, you know, the thing with this team is they have the home run hitters, they have the sluggers in the lineup. It was just a matter of we're seeing because we're seeing this issue a lot in baseball. There's not a lot of home runs being hit as of late. So for a team like this, that kind of like struggles, you know, that's kind of like a team that's like they have the power. They have to continue to work on, you know, manufacturing runs and trying to get them across, you know, playing station to station baseball. And I think we're starting to see that now a little bit. They're starting to manufacture runs, you know, not via the not via the long ball. They're starting to create some noise on the base pads, you know, to get those runs. So it's definitely been up and down. Like you said, the bullpen, you know, a lot of people wasn't concerned about the bullpen coming into the season because it was like, all right, they got some pieces. And then, like you said, that collapse and it almost had another epic collapse in that game against the Dodgers to start off that series. So, yeah, it's been a very up and down season for the Phillies, but you hope that they can start to put it together and just play some consistent baseball. You know, you, you would like to get some winning streaks, but the goal is, like we've seen with the Mets this season, just start to win series and start to collect them going forward. Yep, that it has been. It certainly has been an up and down season. To the device of not just say, but everyone else in the division, the New York Mets have really been able to put together a nice start to the season, 22 and 11, entering into this current weekend series. And I take a look at the National League East, and I do think that it's certainly a far from done race, unless we're the Washington Nationals. They were pretty much out of it before the season wound up starting. But I do think that it is going to be interesting to take a look at this Mets team because we've seen them get off to so many hot starts in the past. And then they just wind up flailing down the stretch. But I feel like this is a little bit of a different team. Brody Van Wagenen is no longer there. So that can only mean good things. So that certainly helps them out. But I do take a look at this Mets team. And I want to see how they wind up looking post-All-Star break a little bit more. But I am a little bit quicker to buy into this team this year than in past years. Oh, yeah. you got to be impressed with what Buck Walter has been able to do with this team. I think they haven't lost the series yet this season, which is impressive. And it just shows, you know, how well they've been playing from top to bottom in the order and even in the rotation. They went out and made some moves to upgrade the rotation, getting the Max Scherzer, you know, getting a Chris Bassett from Oakland. You add that, you know, with Tywon Walker, who, you know, he's had a couple of nice starts at Tyler McGill. I think, you know, he's been one of the best pitchers in baseball this season. You know, with him being an opening day starter and he hasn't looked back, he's been very dominant on the mound this season. Then offensively, Lindor, he's starting to he's he's definitely a different player than what we saw last year, this year. And then obviously, Pete Alonso, he's just been doing his thing at first. And you look again, the moves that they made, right? Starlin Marte hasn't really hasn't really picked it up like he was last season in Oakland. But Mark Hanna, I mean, this guy, you know, he started off the season getting on base with a single every night. And he's now starting to produce again. So, I mean, this, like you said, this could team, this is a team that could be a force to reckon with. It's just like you said, how do they play after the All-Star break is going to be the kick. Yep, I do think that it's going to be really important to take a look at that. And with the New York Mets, we expected the pitching to be relatively solid. And I mean, we were expecting that what we thought we were going to get Jacob DeGrom for the entirety of the season. I had still been there, but really the offense has been rock solid for them as well which has been a little bit of a surprise as we do have Javon Alford joining me right here on the podcast because the reason why it's such a surprise is that it's just down all throughout the entirety of the major leagues going into what we wound up getting this weekend. Teams were averaging a little bit under four runs per game. You were noticing that the league-wide batting average hovering right around 234 deep balls. They're way, way down. As a matter of fact, 
Aaron Judge entering into Friday. Had 11 home runs all by himself, and the Detroit Tigers team had 12. I certainly think that the Tigers are going to be having more than like 70-some-odd home runs this season, but what have you made out of just some of these low scores in general that we've been seeing across Major League Baseball? Because typically, it does take offense a little bit of time to be able to pick it up, but this just seems way off at this point. It definitely does. I think, you know, for you know a casual baseball fan, it's not exciting, right? Because <laughs> you want to see runs scored. You want to see the home runs hit, unless you're a Pirates and Reds fan. Every time they seem like they get together, there's always a whole bunch of runs being scored. But I think if you're a casual baseball fan, it's not fun to see all those and not see like high scoring games. And I think we can blame the humidor for playing a factor into that. And I think if you're, you know, betting on baseball, I think it makes it, I think it makes it tough, right? Because you look at some of these matchups, you could say, oh, such and such is going against such and such today. I think that their offense should be able to pummel them, but you can't get over eight runs scored, right? So I think now it's forcing people to, you know, to play unders more. I think if even, you know, it's it's kind of even hurt the run line too, because you think, all right, if I get the Dodgers in minus 220 on the money line, and I think I want to play the run line, it's not a guarantee that they'll win by more, you know, than one and a half runs. So I think it's really, you know, posing a lot of issues there. But I think there's ways to get around it, right? You know, a lot of people I've seen, you know, starting to play the first five money line, first five run line at that. I've also seen some people, and I know, I don't, I don't know if a lot of people are doing this, but me personally attacking, you know, team totals within the first five innings. I think that's something that I think people can get into if you don't feel comfortable playing these, you know, overs right now, just because of the lack of offense that we're seeing across the board. And it's so interesting because in past years, you used to see a lot of people take first fives because they didn't necessarily feel comfortable about the bullpen being able to hold on to a lead. They would think that, oh, this starting pitcher is going to do a great job through the first five innings, but then you've got bullpen X that is going to gas can it away. And now what I'm taking a look at is the exact opposite with what you just mentioned. A lot of people taking first five overs against just garbage can pitchers that are starting. They wind up giving four or five bad innings. And then from there, the bullpen's able to stabilize. So I sort of think that it's ironic the way that we've been taking a look at first fives this year as opposed to seasons past, because I feel like the bullpens have actually been much better this year, aside from if you wind up going up against the New York Mets who have had a couple late comebacks. <laughs> no, you know, you're definitely right about that. And I think the stats don't lie with that. I mean, you look at just, you know, some of the stats that we see, you know, when it comes to, you know, just bullpens, there's a lot of good bullpens in, you know, baseball. You look at the top 10 bullpens right now in baseball, we are looking at the lowest is 243 and your highest is probably what, 0.35? That's not bad. So the bullpens have actually playing solid. It's just that, like you said, starting pitching has not been great in certain areas and that's, you know, a problem. Yep, I'm right there with you because you do take a look at sort of the league average bullpen, which you could do all the math and everything like that. But I took team number 15 with regards to their bullpen ERA, the LA Angels entering in the weekend, 349. With regards to starters ERA, number 15, the Oakland A's, 374. So that's actually been very intriguing to take a look at. And then you've just got the LA Dodgers who do a great job with all their pitching in general. It's been absolutely insane to be able to take a look at them. But has been very fascinating to take a look at this season as we do have Javon Alford joining me on the podcast. And Javon, when you take a look at things with regards to just the landscape of baseball in general, we've talked a little bit about the Phillies, but 
Are there teams out there that you just take a look at them? And to this point of the season, you've either been a little bit surprised by how good they've been playing or they've been a surprise to the exact opposite because we're right now about 30, 32-ish games through the season for a lot of these teams. So we've got a little bit of sample size, obviously tons of baseball left to be played, but I think that we finally have hit a bench point in which you're like, okay, now we're able to take a little bit of a look and it's not just complete and utter fool's gold to this point. Is there a team or two that has really been standing out to you to the positive or the negative? Yeah, there's definitely been a few teams that stand out to me. First of all, the LA Angels, right? I think, you know, a lot of people... We're thinking that, you know, if they're healthy and if the starting pitching comes around, then maybe they could potentially be a playoff team in that wild card round. And they've played really well on both sides. I mean, Trout and Otani both healthy. Jared Walsh has been outstanding at, at first base. And then the pitching, you're right, you know, outside of Otani, Syndergaard has been a real shot in the arm for him. You know, Reed Detmer's getting a no-hitter. You know, that's great for him because he had a rough outing. And even his fir- first couple starts last year, you know, weren't the greatest. So if he can, you know, build, turn into something, that's great for them. Patrick Sandoval has been a strikeout machine. So I really like the way that the Angels, you know, are playing. I'm also impressed by the Padres. You know, this is a team that doesn't have Fernando Tatis, right? We haven't, you know, he, yeah, he we probably won't see him until potentially next month. If that, and they've, you know, held their own, you know, led by Manny Machado, who I think needs to be in the conversation for NL MVP with the way he's been playing, hit for average and hit for power, along with Eric Hosmer, who I think is hitting over 300 as well. So I like the Dodgers. I'm surprised as well about the Twins. I'm surprised that the Twins were able to hold on to first place in the AL Central just because you look at their rotation. It's not a lot of, it's not the greatest, and especially with Chris Paddock getting hurt, but, you know, seeing a guy like Joe Ryan really stand out on that rotation to kind of give them that ace. It's huge. And then offensively, you don't have the biggest of offensive names, but when you have Byron Buxton and Carlos Correa, both healthy, give you a chance to win. So definitely those are three teams that probably stand out to me the most, you know, throughout this, you know, first 30 so odd games. Yep. I'm right there with you. The San Diego Padres being able to do what they do. Like you mentioned with Alfred Andrew Tatis Jr. That has really stood out to me. And I mean, who would have thought that going into this weekend, every single team in the national league West would have a record above 500. Certainly not myself when you've got the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Colorado Rockies still in existence in that division. Just shows how good all those teams have been. And Javon, I know you're doing some great work yourself. I know you're in a little bit of transition right now, but you're doing a great job holding it down, taking a look at the Philadelphia sports scene. I know that you do a great job when it comes to daily fantasy, when it comes to taking a look at the sports betting realm of things as well. So you're a guy that you're tied into a little bit of everything with regards to the sports world. So let the good people at home know how they're able to follow you on social media and everything that you've got going on in general. Yeah, for sure. Appreciate you having me on. People can, you know, follow me on Twitter at Jovan10, you know, hopefully get back, you know, start putting some picks out, you know, putting some bets out there, picks out there, baseball, WNBA, is starting so that's always good to see you know look t- look at WBA from a DFS angle also baseball DFS which has been very fun to play this season so definitely about that you know check out the Total Sports Live podcast on all your streaming platforms at totalsportslive.com as well so those are the three quick ways to you know follow me and also check out some stuff that I do and Javon doing a great job of being able to follow a little bit of everything and to his point with the WNBA it's become easier and easier to be able to bet on it with regards to offerings maybe not in terms of line but in terms of the offerings it's certainly become a little bit easier (laughs) it's become a little bit more mainstream so that's another avenue that people are able to take a look at because well when we wind up having the NBA playoffs start to wrap up along the NHL playoffs it is a very nice escape because you have baseball and then 
well, you really don't have a whole heck of a lot else. I guess you could have Summer League for a few days, but man, I've never been able to get into Summer League sports betting personally, so there is that aspect of it. So Javon, as he covered with that and so much more, and always good to be able to get him on the podcast. So big thanks to Javon Alford for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time the podcast. Thank you for your picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. 
Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Junie. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it, it would have been Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. Everybody here, the 
Welcome to Las Vegas for the baseball betting show with myself, Craig Peterson, now part of the Houston Family Podcast. It is always a pleasure to get Jovan Alford on this podcast. He's doing a terrific job holding it down in the great state of Pennsylvania, taking a look at things for Total Sports Live and so many other places. Guys, dialed in when it comes to daily fantasy, sports betting world, list goes on and on. So, big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now, it is that time of the podcast. They give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Saturday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at gunit underscore e1. We are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games, and any interleague games are going to be at the bottom, and we do have a few of those, so that'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy there. So, how about if we wind up beginning with the DK Nation pick right off the bat? 951-952 on the betting board. You've got yourself the Slam Diego Padres, and they're going to be in the road to face off against the Atlanta Braves. Kyle Wright hopes to be Mr. Wright for the Atlanta Braves, and Joe Musgrove is going to be on the bump for the Padres. Your total on this game is 8.5. The under is 8.15 and minus 120. Over is between even and minus 105. And with Atlanta, you'll find them between minus 112 and minus 115. Meanwhile, with the Padres, you're going to be finding them as bad as a minus 105, as good as a plus 105. And DK Nation pick here is going to be on the total. We've been pretty good with these total size feed days. We're going to be riding with it, and we're going to be going with an under. Semi-total at a 7.4, and a little bit of this has to do with the time of this game. If you take a look at it, this is a game that it is going to be played at 8.35 a.m. Pacific, so it's a little bit of a body clock game for the Padres, so I do think that there's going to be some very sleepy bats for them, and if you take a look at the Padres, they've got two absolutely tremendous mashers, Manny Machado, Eric Cosmer, both of these guys hitting above a 350, both of these guys north of a 420 on base with Machado, seven home runs, and they have been absolutely magnificent with 23-plus RBI for each, but... After that, among guys that wound up getting at a bat yesterday, you had one other guy that was sitting above a 230, and that's Jorge Alfaro. And he's gotten like 55 at bats so far this season. Everyone else sitting at 230 or worse. Trent Grisham has had a rough year. Drickson Profar, Will Myers, Luke Voigt. I mean, these guys have not been able to get out of their own way. Then you take a look at the Atlanta race. And you've had some success with getting Matt Olson on base. He wound up having a home run yesterday, 376 on base. Travis Demerick, I think that there's a little bit of regression due in for him, but he's hitting a 327. But Marcel Zuna's hitting right around 200 this season. Dansby Swanson has been up and down. And Duvall's hitting a 200. They've been dealing with a couple of injuries. Ronald Acuna Jr. has been in and out of the fold. Austin Riley has been able to give this team seven home runs. He's got a 343 on base, but not necessarily what you'd expect. And both of these teams have been rock solid with regards to their bullpen. A.J. Minter was used yesterday, but only for 11 pitches. Kenley Jansen, he wanted getting a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Got to figure that he's going to be able to come back, although Will Smith likely not going to be able to get jiggy with it in this one, but you still have someone like a Darren O'Day that you're able to take a look at. And for the San Diego Padres, this is a bunch of which they've got a very solid bullpen of their own and relatively rested. Chaminade was able to give seven strong innings yesterday, so guys like Craig Salmon, Taylor Rogers, they're all going to be good and available in this one. And you take a look at Kyle Wright before the start that we wound up seeing a few days ago out of him. He was really rolling, and even with that relative 
relatively bad start in which he winds up giving up six runs in four two-thirds innings against the Boston Red Sox. He's posting up for the year a 3.02 ERA, 41 strikeouts in 35 and two-thirds innings with just two home runs allowed. His walks per nine rate sub three, so he's been able to do a nice job of being able to hone that in. And Joe Musgrove has three walks in 39 innings so far this year with a little bit north of nine strikeouts per nine innings. This guy has been absolutely masterful last year. His home and road splits were solid, and this year they are, again, 237 ERA on the road, so he's done a nice job of being able to hold down the Ford opponents during a 222 off of them. So I do take a look at this spot, and I mean, especially with it being such an early game, because this is that special Peacock game, I am going to be taking a look at the under. And with the Braves, I do think that Kyle Wright is going to be able to come out after a rough start in his last timeout against the Boston Red Sox, be able to rebound in the Braves after they wound up having a little bit of a heartbreaking end to what we wound up seeing on Saturday. I think they're going to be able to get up off the mat, set the Braves as a minus 118 favorite. So look at Braves, but the DK Nation pick going to be on the total, and I'm riding with the under. Set my total at a 7.4. So even at a 7.5, I'd be taking a look at an under. 9.53, 9.54 on the bang board. The Pittsburgh Pirates walk the plank as they play against the Cincinnati Reds. We are in the Cincinnati, and the road team sends out their Hunter Green, and Jose Quintana is going to be going for the Buccos. The Pirates, in between minus 120 and minus 130 favorites. Meanwhile, with the Red Legs, find them at a plus 110 with your total 8.5. With the 8.5, under is minus 115, and the over is minus 105. Do you saying my total at an 8.7 going into what we wound up getting on Saturday. The Reds had played 15 out of their last 17 games over the total. It has been absolutely ridiculous to see. And for the Reds, dead last with the guys of bullpen ERA and the Pirates, they are in the bottom eight. You just have not been able to get much out of guys like Hunter Strickland, Art Warren. They have been atrocious out of the bullpen, to say the least. And for the Pirates, all but two of their wins have come out of the bullpen, but got a lot of guys with bad ERAs. Chris Strain has one that's nearing six. David Benar has been terrific for the team, and Anthony Banda, I'll give him some credit. He's been able to do a solid job of being able to hold down the fort, but Heath Embry has not necessarily been too great himself, and you take a look at both of these lineups, and I'm not going to go out here and say that the Pittsburgh Pirates have been absolutely tremendous. With regards to their lineup, you don't necessarily have a ton of pop in the lineup, but you've got Ben Gamble, Cabrian Ace, both hitting a 300. You wound up seeing Ryan Reynolds last season hit a 300. He's been in and out of the fold the last few days, but you been able to get a little bit of something recently out of Daniel Vogelback. Actually, Adam Hitting lead off a little bit earlier this season. I don't necessarily agree with that, but 330 on base, five home runs. He's been able to do a nice job. And then for the Cincinnati Reds, Brandon Drury has really stepped up for the team. Seven home runs and inning at 260 entering into Saturday. Tyler Stevenson was out of the fold for quite a bit. He's got nearly a 400 on base. He's got some pop. Mike Boustakis along Taylor Naquin. Both of these guys are in north of a 255. And even the guys at the bottom of the lineup, Albert Omora Jr., Matt Reynolds, guys that they picked up off the scrap heap, they've been able to get on base. You take a look at both of these starters, and neither enlists a whole heck of a lot of confidence, especially Hunter Green. I mean, Hunter Green gets a lot of love for the fact that he's able to throw 100-plus miles per hour, but it gets hit hard. All have home runs given up in 26 innings. He just throws it right down the middle, and if you make contact, it is going a long ways. I mean, the strikeouts are nice. Right around 11 strikeouts per nine innings, but also north of five walks per nine innings. And for Jose Quintana, he's right now averaging 3.9 walks per nine innings, but two home runs given up in 30 innings. 270 ERA. He does need to work on the control a little bit more because that winds up not allowing him to go too deep into games. Five innings or fewer in all but one of his starts so thus far this season, but got a little bit more faith here in Quintana rather than Green, even though Green throws it super fast. Just goes right down the middle and it gets hit so hard. So I do wind up saying that my total at an 8.7. I'm looking over, and when it comes to this Pittsburgh Pirates team, we'll delay up to a minus 127, so seeing the minus 120s and minus 125s, won't take the Buccos and the over. 955, 956 on the bang board. The Milwaukee Brewers hit the road to face off against the Miami Marlins. 
Eliezer Hernandez is going to be going for the fish. And Brandon Woodruff is going to be on the bump for Milwaukee. Milwaukee is anywhere between a minus 153 and a minus 165 favorite. Meanwhile, with Eliezer Hernandez and company, between plus 135 and plus 145 is your price with your total 7. With the 70 over and the under, anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. I've been riding quite a few unders in this series, and I'm going to be going back to the well here. Set my total at a 6.8. Now, I do think that Brandon Woodruff is going to look a little bit better in this start than his first few road starts last season because if you take a look at Brandon Woodruff during the 2021 season, this guy was nails on the road. 279 ERA at a 5 and second win record, and he didn't deserve that. Nine home runs given up in 93 and two-thirds innings with opponents hitting a buck 80 off of him, so... Don't let the record fool you. He was very good on the road. This year on the road, three starts, and he's got a 12 ERA. Woof. Opponents are in at 382 off of him. I think that this is a little bit more of a product of small sample size than anything else. And then you take a look at Eliezer Hernandez. This is someone that is going to give up the deep ball. Eight home runs give it up in 29 and two-thirds innings, right around 2.4-ish home runs per nine innings. Doesn't necessarily give out a lot of walks, more like 2.7 walks per nine innings, but I think what is key for him is the fact that he is playing in a little bit of a pitcher-friendly ballpark and with the Milwaukee Brewers. We're going to call it what it is. Their offensive numbers are jacked up because they wound up playing so many games against the Poopy Reds, against the Pirates, teams like this. They just have not been beating up necessarily on the good teams. You take a look at Christian Yelich, 353 on base. That is very encouraging for the team. He's been able to draw his walks, 20 RBI. You like to see that. Rowdy Tellez, Hunter Renfro, both of these guys hitting between about a 225 to a 240 and he combined 15 home runs going into Saturday. That is very encouraging, but you also take a look at a lot of these guys towards the bottom of the lineup. Tyrone Taylor, someone like a Jace Peterson, William Thomas. They have not necessarily been able to do a great job with that regard. Now with the Brewers, you've also got a dominant bullpen. Devin Williams, Josh Hader, these guys are terrific. Heck, you're even able to take a look at someone like Kobe Milner. He's been able to give you some good innings, and then for the Marlins, you've got the Anthony's Anthony Bass, Anthony Bender. They're able to come in and do a nice job for the team, and for the Marlins, it has been a little bit rough when it comes to the lineup because you got the former Milwaukee Brewer and Avicio Garcia, coupled with Jacob Stallings, Miguel Rojas, you're able to throw in there Ore Soler, all these guys in a 215 or lower, but Garrett Cooper, 360 on base, Asus Aguiar, he's good at being able to drive guys in, 265 for he and Brad Anderson, Jazz Shislam, he's hitting a 280, he's been able to go deep quite a few times this season, so I do take a look at this spot, and I was willing to take the Marlins as long as I was getting north of really a plus 140, so seeing plus 143, plus 145, I'm going to be willing to take a shot here on them. I think that Woodruff is going to be able to figure out his road woes from the beginning part of the season. And I think it's going to be tough for either team to really get up on the board because Miami is so pitcher-friendly. So that helps out Eliezer Hernandez with keeping the ball in the yard. So looking at the fish and looking at this total under. 957-958 on the bang board. The Philadelphia Phillies at the red face off against the LA Dodgers. It is good old to be determined for the LA Dodgers. Got to figure that it's going to be some form of a bullpen game for them. And Aaron Supernola is going to be going for the Philadelphia Phillies. Currently no numbers up on this game because for the Dodgers it is undecided. But if it is indeed some form of a bullpen game for the Dodgers, which is what I've got right now, so my total at an 8.7. So in half or less, looking over 9 or I or looking at the under, I always wind up shading my totals up in Los Angeles when it comes to an afternoon game rather than a night game just because the ball flies out a whole heck of a lot more. And you take a look at this lineup and 
We had a couple guys that have struggled for the LA Dodgers. Max Muncy is still hitting just a buck fifty for the team. Justin Turner down for what? Cody Bellinger. Both of these guys entered into Saturday, hitting a two eleven or worse, but Trey Turner down for what? He's hitting a two seventy five. Mookie Betts is starting to pick it up. You've gotten a little bit more out of someone like a Chris Taylor is giving you like a two sixty five batting average. Freddie Freeman hitting above a three hundred. So these guys have been rock solid. And then you take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies, and this has been legitimately one of the best offenses out there in the big leagues. Alec Bowman has been terrible in the field. But Alec Bohm is hitting above a 300 for the team right now. Lump Gene Segura, Bryce Harper. He's hitting a 290. He's one TPA time. Kyle Schwarber needs to work on the average below 200, but he's got eight home runs himself. Reese Hoskins and Cassianos, five bombs apiece. Cassianos, 350 on base. The big thing with the Philadelphia Phillies is this bullpen has not been good. They picked up right hand, Jersich Familia, Corey Knebel in the offseason, and has an essay been working out? James Norwood. I mean, man, he has got a 7 ish ERA. That's not been too terrific. And for the LA Dodgers, the one thing that you're able to say about this bullpen is that the bullpen is actually really good for this team. Alex Vizia did not wind up giving up a single earned run until this very series. Phil Bickford has been locked down for this team the last few seasons. Tommy Canley, Craig Kimbrell, Reyes Baranta. All these guys are able to do a solid job. Got to figure that you're just going to look for someone to be able to give you multiple innings. Maybe that does wind up being someone like an Evan Phillips, someone who he's been able to go multiple innings throughout his career. So I think that that's something interesting to take a look at. But I do think that it's going to be a wholesale bullpen game here for the LA Dodgers. And when it comes to Aaron Supernola, what's not super about him is him pitching on the road. Because you take a look at it and just throughout his career, right around 1.2 points higher is his ERA when he's on the road rather than at home. I mean, that's bared out this season. This season, Bonus hit a buck 39 off of him in Philadelphia, 319 on the road during the 2021 season. At a 527 ERA, 386 home ERA. He's been a little bit unlucky the last few seasons, but certainly just not the same guy on the road as he is in Philadelphia. So, as a result, set the Dodgers as a minus 135 in this bullpen game, plus 138, laying a run and a half on the run line, and in after less looking over, 9 or higher to the under, 959, 960 on the betting board. The Chicago Cubs are going to be in the road. They're going to be facing off against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Humberto Castellanos is going to be going for the D-backs, and Justin Steele is going to be going for the Chicago Cubs. Total on games 8.5, overs minus 120, the unders even. If you're looking at the snakes, you're finding them at a minus 131, and plus 121 is your price on the Chicago Cubs, and when it comes to the Cubs, I did wind up saying them as a relative underdog here of plus 138, so here at the minus 131, I'm going to be willing to lay it with the Arizona Diamondbacks. I've really liked what I've seen out of them. Huberto Castellanos is someone that throughout his career has went sort of from being a starter to being in the bullpen, but among the seven appearances, he's only given up more than three runs just once. He's done a nice job keeping the ball in the yard. One home run, seven walks a lot in 25 innings. Not much of a swing and miss guy, but if you take a look at the Chicago Cubs, you take out that absolute 21-run outburst that they wound up having against the Pittsburgh Pirates in all other games. They're averaging right around 3.6 runs per contest. These guys have really regressed going into Saturday. I believe that they had scored three runs or fewer in 11 out of their last 15 games as you've been able to get a little bit out of Nico Horner. He's hitting right around 275 for the team. Really doesn't walk a lot, but been able to do a solid job there. Wilson Contreras, four home runs. He's been able to hit 295, but you take a look at Patrick Wisdom, only guy with north of four home runs for the team. He has struck out 45 times in 99 at-bats as far this year. That's a strikeout rate of over 45%. That's not necessarily too terrific right there. He, Frank Schwindel, Nick Madrigal, Rafael Ortega, Jason Award, Jan Gomes, all hitting a 225 or lower entering into Saturday. C.A. Suzuki has really regressed since the beginning part of the season, and for the Arizona Diamondbacks, they entered into the series hitting as a collective of buck 99, the worst out there in the big leagues. Starting to come up a little bit. Entering into Saturday, they were above a 200 for the first time all season long, and 
been able to get a little bit of power with the same Christian Walker, Dalton Varsho, about six home runs, 14 RBI, entering into what we wound up seeing on Saturday. But you just take a look across the board. It has not been too terrific for the team. Among guys with north of 20 at-bats, you don't have a single guy that's sitting above a 250 right now. So that is a big, giant issue when it comes to the team. So I do think that that is something that needs to be factored in. And for the Cubs, I will say, the bullpen entered into Saturday 13th with regards to ERA. Scott Efres has been able to give you a relatively solid go of it this season. Michael Givens, he's giving you some good innings. And then for the Arizona Diamondbacks, Bullpen is going to leave you a little bit testy. Mark Melanson is like 500 years old. He cannot be trusted, but Ian Kennedy has been sold. Joe Manette Tipley going into Saturday, a 0.77 ERA. So, did wind up saying the Diamondbacks as a minus 138 favorite. I'm willing to take them on the lead line. Did wind up saying my total at an 8.4 as well. So, seeing the 8.5 looking under because with Justin Seal, he is a guy that he does wind up giving up a couple of deep flies. But with that said, I do think that he's going to benefit a little bit more from being off against the lineup that's, let's call it what it is, not doing the best job will be able to put back to ball as seal the season, giving up a little bit more than 10 hits per nine innings, but it's given up just one home run, walks per nine rate, right around five-ish. I don't think that he's necessarily going to be going too deep as he has yet to be able to go north of five innings all season long, and his longest start of the year was his first start of the season where he went approximately five innings, so I did wind up going with his total at an 8.4 looking under, and I'm willing to lay up to a minus 138 here with Arizona, 961, 962 on the bang board. These San Francisco Giants are going to be in the red face off against the St. Louis Cardinals. Wayno Adam Wainwright is going to be going for the cards, and one Carlos Rodon is going to be going for the Giants. Giants are finding themselves in between minus 135 and minus 150. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at St. Louis, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 120 and plus 130, with 7 being your total. Under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Over is anywhere between even and minus 110. And when it comes to Rodon and company, I set the Giants as a minus 113 favorite. I do recognize that it's been a little bit of a rough go of it this year for Adam Wainwright. He is coming off of the COVID IL. So when I start one coming on the 4th of May, but you take a look at what you've been able to get out of Wainwright this season, and he's starting to even out a little bit more, a 318 ERA. The 13 walks in 34 innings, a little bit unsightly, but he's been able to tame that down after a little bit of a rough start to the season. Has given up just two home runs, even at his advanced age. He's still doing a good job of being able to get swings and misses, and we're going to call it what it is. Carlos Rodon is one of the most dominant pitchers out there in the big leagues. Eight-plus strikeouts in four out of his last five starts. He has been just magnificent, not giving up a single home run, 12 walks over the course of 35 innings, and for this Giants bullpen, they were the lone one that had a sub-3 ERA last season, but they're pretty much on par with the St. Louis Cardinals this season. They did wind up having to use up John Breba and Camilo Duvall. Yes, right, so Jarlin Garcia, you got to figure, is going to be coming out of the bullpen. Jake McGee is someone that is currently on the injured list, and that might actually be for the better for them. Jose Alvarez, someone that you're going to be looking to, and for the St. Louis Cardinals, you would like to see Giovanni Gallegos get online a little bit more. It's been a bit of a tough year for him, but you take a look at some of the other guys, like an Andre Pallanti, sub-2 ERA, entering into what we're going to be getting on Sunday. Jake Woodford, who's been able to come in for multiple innings, he's got right around a 2-ish ERA, and then when it comes to the St. Louis Cardinals lineup, Nolan Arenado, he's cooled off a little bit, but still hitting above a 307 home runs. He has been rock solid. Tommy Edmond, four bombs, hitting a 275. Paul Goldschmidt has been able to hit a 300 as well, so these guys have been very, very good, and the Cardinals have played right around 60% of their home games over the total, and then take a look at the St. 
Francisco Giants. And it's been a little bit all over the place with regards to this offense. They have scored four plus runs in, I believe, now five out of their last six games. But prior to this run, they were really doing a bad job of just being able to get on base in general. And for the season, the San Francisco Giants hitting right around 245. So they've had a very nice come up recently. And a lot of this does have to do with health because you were dealing with a couple of injuries to begin the season to guys like a Mike Ustramski who spent some time on the COVID IL. They brought up Luis Gonzalez, who's currently hitting a 340. Jock Peterson has dealt with his ailments. He's got six home runs this season, so has been very helpful. As you do have Darren Ruff, Wilmer Flores, both now with a 336 on base. Brandon Belt, he has been a little bit banged up, but four home runs at about 80 or so at bats, hitting at 265. That is terrific, but I do like what I'm seeing out of both of these bullpens. Carlos Rodon is dominant, but I like Adam Wainwright as well. A little bit more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark, and this is going to be the Sunday night baseball game, and we've been seeing in a lot of these Sunday night baseball games, a lot of low-scoring games and a lot of good pitchers' duels. I did wind up saying this total at a 6.8 as a result probably would be looking at this a little bit differently if it was a daytime game in St. Louis rather than a nighttime game and I feel like Rodon should be a little bit of a favorite but I think that we've run a little bit too far here. Anything north of a plus 115 was willing to take a shot on St. Louis and we've got that here. So looking at the Cardinals and I'm going to be taking a look at it under in this spot as we go to 963-964 on the betting board. The Detroit Tigers are going to be playing us to the Baltimore Orioles. Tyler Wells is going to be going for the Royals and Drake Scoobal is going to be on the bump for Detroit. Detroit is finding themselves Anywhere between minus 125 and minus 135 favorites. Meanwhile, with Baltimore, it's anywhere between plus 105 and plus 125, with 7.5 being your total over is minus 115, and the under is minus 105. It certainly has been a slog for the Detroit Tigers in trying to score runs this season. I mean, they wound up coming into Saturday with 13 home runs. They were on pace for 64 and a half home runs, which is nine fewer than what Barry Bonds wound up having in 2001. We can talk about how much. Juice Mary Bonds was on that season, but I mean, still, just thinking about that is absolutely hilarious, but I mean, hey, the Tigers wound up getting two home runs on Saturday, now they're on base for like 70, so it's starting to get there, but you do take a look at this Detroit Tigers lineup, and it's not good. Robbie Grossman, Jameer Candelario, Jonathan Scope, Eric Koss, Spencer Torkelson, all these guys are hitting a 208 or lower, but... Miguel Cabrera still has right around a 340 on base. Willie Castro hitting above a 300 for the seam as well. So it's starting to come around for the seam a little bit. And the one thing that you could say about the Detroit Tigers, and they had to use their bullpen a lot yesterday with Michael Pineda getting four outs before he wound up leaving the game. But I mean, this is a Tigers bullpen that entering into the weekend, third in terms of bullpen ERA. So they have been terrific there. But once again, the bullpen usage, that is probably going to be getting to them a little bit because they had to use up Joey Jimenez, Andrew Jafin, Gregory Soto, so Will Vest is really going to be the vesting option for this team in this one, and then you take a look at Tyler Wells, and this is someone that began his career out of the bullpen. I'm not going to say that he's been like completely atrocious or anything like that. 375 ERA, nothing great, nothing terrible. Three home runs, four walks allowed in 24 innings. He just winds up giving up a little bit too much contact in general, but you take a look at Derek Skubal, and Skubal has been incredible for the Tigers. Last year, wound up having home runs per nine rate right around two this year. He has given up just two deep flies over the course of his 33 and two-thirds innings. He has been the victim of a couple unearned runs, but you take a look at the way that he's been able to hold on the fort. Two runs of fear given up in now four out of his last five starts. He has been able to do a solid job, but with the Baltimore Orioles, Sands what we've been seeing in this series, and I will say, you're able to even go back to the St. Louis Cardinals series. They have scored a grand total of six runs over the course of their last four games, but this is an offense that, after a really rough start to the season, they've been able to get online. Austin the Saints kid, Tribumu Mancini, both of these guys, in north of a 285. Ryan Mountcastle is hitting at 270. He's been able to supply four home runs. 
Cedric Mullins has a 270 batting average. He's hit five home runs. Ivanore Mateo has been able to get online now. Bottom of the lineup, Robinson Chirinos, Anthony Benboom, Tyler Nevin, Chris Owings, Calvin Gutierrez, Rune Odor. These guys are hot garbage, and I do think that you're going to see the Orioles bullpen start to regress. Felix Batista is someone that has been impressive, but Joey Kreeble, he's now got a 3-5 ERA. Most of that has come in the last few weeks. Cionel Perez, sub-1 ERA that is not going to last with this team, and I do think that we're going to see a little bit of regression with regards to the Tigers here. ERA with regards to their bullpen as well, especially with them having a lot of usage on Saturday. So I do want to say my total ending 8.2. I'm going to be taking a look at this total over, even though it's a little bit more pitcher friendly. And I do think that Tyler Wells is going to get lit up a little bit. And I am impressed by what I'm seeing out of Tyreek Scubo made the Tigers a minus 146 favorite. So taking the Tigers on the money line and I'm taking a look at this total over 965, 966 on the betting board. The Toronto Blue Jays are going to be in the road to face off against the Tampa Bay Rays. Currently on the betting board, it's reading to be determined for the Tampa Bay Rays, but it appears as though we're going to be getting one Cody Kluber going for the Rays, and Alec Manoa. Manoa, what, he's going to be going for the Toronto Blue Jays. This is a game that's off the board, and I wound up saying Manoa and company a minus 122 favorite. I mean, Manoa, what? This guy's been very, very good. 4-0 record for Alec Manoa. 36 innings, 9 walks, 3 home runs allowed, a buck 75 ERA. And you take a look at Manoa. Last year, he wound up having some relatively not-so-great Omen Road splits thus far this season, and 3 starts on the road. Has allowed just 4 runs across 17 innings. Has been able to do a nice job of holding down the fort. Opponents overall are inning a buck 83 off of him. And if you do wind up getting Corey Kluber, his last start was really, really bad against the Angels. 3 innings pitch. He winds up giving up 8 runs. If you wind up taking that one out of the fold, he wound up having right around 26 innings and had given up 7 runs. So he was posting up an ERA that was sub-3 entering into that set. So I do think that he's going to be able to do a much better job in this one. He's been able to keep the walks on. That was a little bit of an issue with him with the Yankees last season. Thus far this season, 6 walks and 29 and 2 thirds innings right around 8.5 punch outs per 9. And you do take a look at the Tampa Bay Rays and the Blue Jays and both bullpens have not been great, and that's really weird to say about the Rays. They entered into this weekend series in the bottom half of the big leagues with regards to bullpen ERA, even though J.P. Fireisen has been nails. I don't believe that he's given up a single earned run all season long. Ryan Thompson, he's got right around a 2-4 ERA, but you did take a look at some of these other guys. They wind up having Brooks Raley, Colin Pooch. Both of these guys have a sub-3 ERA, but I think that you're going to see a little bit of regression there. And take a look at the Blue Jays, and a lot of the guys that they wind up trying to bring in there in a little bit of longer relief, they just have not been good for the team. As right now, you've got Yimi Garcia with a 4.50 ERA, Julian Merriweather right around a 7-ish. They did have to dive into their bullpen a little bit yesterday, so that's a little bit of an issue, though. I will say you've been able to get some relatively solid innings out of Adam Simber. You've got a little bit of a closer that I think is under the radar in Jordan Romano as well, as he has been able to do a nice job of being able to close the door all season long. And you do take a look at the Blue Jays, and it's just been so interesting looking at this team because... The overall batting average is not bad with this team. They're one of the top teams with regards to home runs in the big leagues. They just can't hit with men in scoring position. I mean, Vlad Guerrero Jr. has been hitting right around 290. He's been able to supply seven home runs. You've got Bo Bichette, who after a rough start to the season, he, Alejandro Kirk, in between about a 250 to a 260. Danny Jansen is now back in the fold for this team. Teoscar Hernandez is back as well. So, and you've got your matchers back. They're not doing a bad job of getting on base. Just when they wind up getting men on base, they make like your buddy at the 
barn. They can't close. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, you do have a lot of guys that have been able to get on base for the team. G-Man Choi, Manuel Margot, Harold Ramirez, Juan Franco, all these guys have been able to hit at least a 285 for this bunch. Now, you take a look at the bottom of the lineup. Tyler Walls, Brett Phillips, Mike Zanino, Vidal Brujan. All these guys are in below the Mendoza line of 200. Brandon Lau, he is pretty close. And Radio Rosarena has not been able to have a great year as well. But I will say for Lau, he's been able to get loud with his five home runs. So a little bit of an interesting spot here. As long as we wind up getting Manoa versus Corey Kluber. Semi-total at 6.9. So 6.5 or less, I'm going to be looking at an over. I just think that when you wind up getting down to a 6.5, it's just a little bit too low, especially with these two bullpens. 7 or higher, going to be taking a look at an under. And with the Blue Jays, we'll be making them a minus-122 favorite. As we go to 9.67, 9.68 on the main board, these Chicago White Sox going to be playing us to the New York Yankees. Nestor Cortez is going to be going for the Yankees. And Michael Kopech is going to be on the bump for these outsiders. White Sox are finding themselves as underdogs, anywhere between even money and plus-115. Meanwhile, with New York, it's anywhere between minus-120, minus-125, with eight being your total unders, anywhere between minus-115 and minus-120. Overs between even and minus-105. And when it comes to the Yankees, I did wind up setting them at a minus-128. So I'm going to be willing to back Cortez and company. The one danger that you've got with Cortez is that when it comes to the Chicago White Sox, they always do a better job of being able to hit lefties and righties. It is absolutely insane what we've been seeing out of this team year in and year out. Now, Eloy Jimenez has been out of the fold for the team, which that's not necessarily too terrific, but you take a look at White Sox against left-handed pitching going into Saturday, and in about 188 at-bats, so a little bit of small sample size, 255 batting average, they're getting a home runs per at-bat rate that is suffering right around a home run every 30 or so at-bats, give or take a little bit, probably closer to a little bit more like 25 at You take a look at them against righties, and it goes up significantly, but Nestor Cortez has been able to just throw guys off all season long. 42 punch-outs and 32 innings, buck 41 ERA. He has been giving up right around three walks per nine innings, but he's done a nice job of being able to keep the ball in the yard, and Michael Kopech deserves much better than a 0-0 record. He's got a sub-1 ERA and a 0-93. 29 innings, he's given up three runs, 30 punch-outs. The walks are a little bit of a concern. Four walks per nine innings, but he hasn't allowed a deep ball yet. The only thing that you're able to say about Michael Kopech is that he hasn't necessarily offered a lot of length. He's went north of five innings just once this season, but the guy has been absolutely magnificent, but then the White Sox bullpen has not been good for this team, to say the least. Liam Hendricks does not look like the guy that we wound up seeing in Oakland. He's got a north of four ERA thus far this season. Ronaldo Lopez has been coming out of the bullpen. Bennett Sosa is right around a 3-9 ERA, and for the Yankees, this is a top-five bullpen with regards to ERA. Roldis Chapman as a sub-2 ERA. Ever since he wanted giving up a few walks against the Blue Jays, he has been lights out. Michael King has been the king for the team. He's able to go multiple innings. You've had Jonathan Lewis could be a little bit up and down, but really past that. Even guys like Lucas Ludke, Clay Holmes, these guys have been able to come in and they've been able to shut it down. And you take a look at this New York Yankees team. And I mean, you've right now got Aaron Judge, who's in contention to hit as many home runs as the Detroit Tigers this season. He and John Carlos saying a combined 22 going into their game on Saturday. Anthony Rizzo not far behind with nine. And when it comes to Judge, he's hitting about a 300. John Carlos San, 285. You've also got a 285 batting average out of TJ Turned it up. LeMayu, Isaiah Canaire Falefa. He's been able to get on base. Aaron Hicks, a 360 on base. I know that he's been much blind. And hey, Joey Gallo is starting to hit a little bit for the team as well. He's above the Mendoza line. Four home runs at 84 at bat. So I do like the way that the Yankees have been able to come out all season long now. I do wind up saying this total at a 6.8. I do think that Nestor Cortez is going to come in. He's going to be able to shut down the White Sox. I love this Yankees bullpen as well. And I do think that the White Sox going to be able to have guys like Jose Ruiz and the more trustworthy guys from the bullpen do a solid job. But I think that Cortez keeps the 
White Sox a little bit offline, and when it comes to Michael Kopech, just not backed up by a very good offense right now. Tim Anderson has been able to hit very well, hitting above a 300, but with having Andrew Vaughn on the injured list, Eloy Jimenez as well, I mentioned a little bit earlier, it's been a little bit rough as you just take a look at the starting lineup in general for the White Sox. Six out of their nine starters hitting a 235 or lower. That's just not what you expect. So, looking under and looking Yankees, 969, 970 on the betting board. We've got the Minnesota Twins. They're going to be playing also Cleveland Guardians. Tristan McKenzie is going to be going for the Guardians, and Joe Ryan is going to be on the bump for Minnesota. Minnesota, anywhere between a minus 140 and minus 150 favorite. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Guardians, it's anywhere between plus 120 and plus 135 with 7.5 to 8 being your total on the 8 to the under is minus 120. The over is even on the 7.5. Over is minus 120, and the under is even. And you take a look at this Cleveland Guardians team and set them at a plus 136 in this spot. We're right now at a plus 135. All we need is to inch up another penny as this is one that opened up at a plus 115. I anticipate we're going to see probably a little bit more of a line move and that'll put me on the Guardians in this spot. So we're really close right now. If nothing else, I'd probably be taking a look at Perhaps you wind up getting a favorable run line or something like that right now with the Minnesota Twins. You're finding them at a plus 145, which honestly, I would start to take a look at the Twins run line if absolutely nothing else. But I, like I said, anticipate us being able to get north of plus 135 on the Guardians, and that would make it a take for me. You take a look at Tristan McKenzie, and ever since he wound up getting sent down to the minor leagues last season, command has been much better. I mean, it's not like he's been incredible, but 2.7 walks per nine innings is not bad, and he's getting over nine strikeouts per nine innings, 275 ERA. So he's been able to do a nice job being able to hold down the fort for this team. You take a look at his home and road splits over the years, and he's been pretty much dead even home to road the last two seasons. And Joe Ryan has been absolutely magnificent for this Minnesota Twins team. Did wind up getting shelled a little bit in his last start. Four runs, give it up in four innings against the Houston Astros. But again, that is the Houston Astros wind up having five walks in that game. That is a little bit of a concern. He's been giving up right around 3.4-ish walks per nine innings. So what else is a little bit of an issue for this Minnesota Twins team has just been the fact that you've got quite a few injuries. Miguel Sano is going to be out for quite a while. Carlos Correa is out. They've been dealing with a couple of injuries to guys like a Trevor Larnage. So that is a little bit of an issue, but Ode Polanco, Max Kepler, along with Nick Gordon, these guys have been able to hit a 250. And Gilberto Sestino at the bottom of the lineup, along with Royce Lewis, earning above a 300. Luis Arias has been able to get on base for you. You've got Byron Buxton out there. He is terrific. Had a little bit of a day off yesterday. He's been in and out of the full, but that has been terrific in them for the Cleveland Guardians. Stephen Kwan has seen a little bit of a dip in his batting average, but he, Jose Ramirez, Owen Wilson, Andres Jimenez, all entered into Saturday, hitting at least a 280 for this team with Ramirez. Seven home runs, 32 RBI. That has been magnificent. You've got Miles Straw, who's towards the top of the big leagues with regards to stolen bases with eight. And then with Cleveland Guardians, you've got Emmanuel Class A, one of the best closers out there in baseball. Trevor Steven has been very solid along with Brian Shaw out there in the bullpen. Both of these guys, a sub-2-5 ERA. Then you take a look at the Minnesota Twins. They're actually in the top five with regards to their bullpen ERA, which is a little bit of a surprise to me. Ty Duffy, ever since he wound up having a little bit of a rough first week or two of the season, he's been able to hold it down. Caleb Theobar is someone I've just never been high on whatsoever, but Joe Smith has been really good out of the bullpen for the team. They're dealing with an injury to Ore Alcala, but with that said, I do think that the Twins should be a favorite, but the line move is just getting away from you a little bit if you like the Minnesota Twins. Like I said, at a plus 136 or more, and I anticipate getting that with the Guardians. I'm going to be taking a shot on them, and I set my total at 7.4. I really like both of these starting pitchers. It is a little bit warmer in Minnesota now, but still a very pitcher-friendly ballpark, so look it under, and in all likelihood, going to be looking at the Guardians with a little bit of a line move. 971-972 on the betting board. Boston Red Sox hit the road to face off against the Texas Rangers. Martin Perez is going to be going for the Rangers. And currently for the Boston Red Sox, it is good old to be determined. 
Right now, it was looking like it was going to be Garrett Whitlock, but I think that it might be a little bit more of a bullpen game here for the Boston Red Sox. If we were to get Garrett Whitlock versus Martin Perez, I wound up setting the Rangers as a minus 115 favorite, assuming we wind up getting a little bit more of a bullpen game. This probably goes up at least 15 cents. The big thing with Woodlock is that he's just not necessarily stretched out right now. He has went four innings or less in all but one of his starts. And he's wound up having, and he's had four in total. And I mean, he's a very solid pitcher. He's got an ERA that is right around at 219 right now. But I, from what I'm hearing, he might wind up going on Tuesday. So that's what makes this a little bit of a strange situation. So if you do wind up getting a bullpen game for the Boston Red Sox, like I said, you're probably going to be looking at the plus 115 that I wound up making it. And probably going to be up to more like a minus 130-ish on the Rangers if you do wind up getting that bullpen game. And for Marty Perez, this is an ultimate revenge spot for him. He was with the Boston Red Sox. And I'm going to call it. It is. Last year, he wasn't too great. He wound up getting sent to the bullpen, and he has been lights out this season. He has given up a combined two earned runs in his last four starts. Now, he wound up being the victim of a couple unearned runs against the Kansas City Royals in his last start, but in terms of earned runs, he has been terrific, and he's given up zero home runs in 34 and a third inning, so I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression there. His walks per nine rate this season has been right around two and a half. That's contrary to his career in general, but I do take a look at this Boston Red Sox team, and it's been a team in which we've got three guys in the middle that I really like. Rafael Devers, J.D. Martinez, Andrew Bogarts. They all entered into Saturday, hitting at least a 300 Devers. Last year had 38 home runs. Everyone outside of them that wound up being in the starting lineup had a 217 batting average or lower. Trevor Story has been terrible for this team. Jackie Bradley Jr. is not out there for his bat in general. Bobby Dahlbeck can't find the broad side of a barn. Kike Hernandez has been a hot mess. And then you take a look at the Texas Rangers, and I to say that this team has had a great batting average would certainly be lying to you. You had three guys in the starting lineup hitting above a 250 entering into Saturday. And if you wind up counting Sam Huff, that is because he's had just six at-bats this season, so that's such a small sample size that I don't know if you're really able to count it. Corey Seager is able to do a solid job of being able to go deep for the team. He's got seven home runs, but he's hitting just a 230 himself. Marcus Simeon has been one of the biggest wastes of money I've ever seen. Going into Saturday, hitting a buck 60 with zero home runs. I mean, I thought there might be a little bit of a fall-off from what he wound up doing in Toronto, but this, jeez. Not good, but you do take a look at this Rangers bullpen, and it's actually been relatively solid ever since the first week or so of the season. Joe Barlow, a sub-2 ERA. Matt Bush has been able to find it a little bit more. Brett Martin has been able to deliver for this team ever since that first week or two of the season. Matt Moore has even been halfway decent, though. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression, and for the Red Sox, not a very reliable bullpen right now. Matt Barnes, Ryan Brazier, they've been a little bit up and down. You don't want Cutter Crawford in a long roll. He has not been good for the team. Looks like he might get sent out to the minor leagues any day now. It causes has been relatively decent along with Matt Strand, but certainly not ideal here. If you do wind up getting Whitlock, setting this at minus 115 with Rangers, bullpen game, more like a minus 130, and either Whitlock or most likely a bullpen game, this would be a spot in which I'd be setting an 8 or less over and an 8.5 or higher to the under. As I said it with Whitlock, an 8.3 probably goes up to like an 8.4 in a bullpen game. 973-974 on the bang board. The LA Angels hit the road face off against the Oakland A's. One, Frankie Montas going to be going for the A's, and Patrick Sandoval is going to be going for the Angels. The Halos are finding themselves as a very slight favorite in this spot. Anywhere between minus 120 and minus 130, seeing straight minus 117 out there as well. Meanwhile, with Oakland, you're going to be finding them in between plus 107 and plus 111, with 7 to 7 at being your total. On the 7, over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 105. On the 7 half, 
under is minus 120, and the over is even. And with the Angels, I do wind up setting them as a very slight favorite in the spot. I was only willing to go up to a minus 107, though. So now that we're at a plus 110 in a lot of spots, I'm going to be willing to take a shot here on the Oakland A's. Frankie Montas is really the ace of the team. And you take a look at what Frankie Montas has been able to do this season. You had one bad start to wind up beginning the campaign, but really nothing else. But then you do also take a look at Patrick Sandoval, and got to give him some kudos. This guy has been doing a very solid job really ever since the end of last season, and he's carried it into 2022-203 ERA. 12 walks in 26 and two-thirds innings. That's a little bit concerning, especially with regards to length, because you did wind up having the Angels go into a double dip yesterday, so bullpen did wind up getting used up a little bit more. You've got three relatively solid bullpen arms when it comes to this Angels team, and Ryan DePero, Rocio Iglesias, able to throw in their air and loop as well, and pretty much all those guys wound up throwing yesterday, so that is a little bit of an issue, but you do take a look at this Angels lineup, and Taylor Ward has been in and out of the fold a little bit, but he's hitting right around at 260. He's been able to deliver seven home runs. Mike Trout has been solid. He's hitting at 329 home runs out of him going into game two of the doubleheader, and then Jared Walsh, Shoei Otani, both of these guys have been able to hit at 250 with Otani. Power is back for him. That has been very good to see, and even Luis Redifo, he's been able to above a 300. Brandon Marsh has been able to get on base. This has been a very good Angels lineup, and for the Oakland A's, been a little bit tough for them. Going into game two of their double dip, they had scored three runs or fewer in 15 out of their last 20 games, as you just have not been able to get guys to be able to get on base in general. You take a look at game one of the doubleheader, you had one guy leaving game one of that doubleheader with a batting average above 241, and they had something like three pinch hitters in that game. So, boy, oh boy, that is not going well. And that's Sheldon Noise. He's got right around a 350 on base. Been able to get a little bit of power out of someone like A. Seth Brown, who's been able to give you three home runs. Sean Murphy's been able to give you four, but not necessarily so great now. The forte of the athletics has actually been the bullpen. They've got a top 10 bullpen in terms of ERA. Danny Menace has been very good for the team. Sam Maul has really not given up anything. AJ Puck, he wound up entering into Saturday with a 0-60 ERA, so he has been tremendous for the team, but I mean, it's an A's bullpen that it wound up getting used up, so thankfully for them, Frankie Montas is able to lend quite a bit of length, which I think is going to be very big, and I think a little bit of this spot is reliant upon the length, and you've got to be taking note that when it comes to Oakland, it's very much more a hitter-friendly ballpark during the daytime and the nighttime when you wind up getting the marine layer. It is very much more pitcher-friendly. This is a game that's going to be starting right around 110 local time, so it's going to be an afternoon game. As a result, I do wind up setting my total at a 7.7, so I'm going to be taking a look at this total over, and with the A's getting a plus 110 here, going to be taking a shot on them. 975-976 on the bank board. The Houston Astros hit the road to face off against the Washington Nationals. Patrick Corbin is going to be going for the Nets, and Justin Verlander is going to be on the bump for Houston. Houston is finding themselves anywhere between minus 190 and minus $2 favorites, and if you're taking a look at Washington, it's anywhere between plus 160 and plus 185, with your total on this game, 8, under is minus 115, and the over is minus 105. I did wind up saying my total at an 8 in this spot. It depends on how the juice is shaking out. We were seeing some 8.5s on the open, and at an 8.5, I would certainly be in on the under. If this winds up being, for instance, minus 115, minus 120 on the under, then I'd be looking at an over. If you wind up finding an over at like a minus 120, then I'd be taking a look at an even money under. So that's the way that I'm playing this right now with having it at exactly an 8. But with that said, when it comes to the Astros, set them as a minus 173 favorite on the money line. If you're looking at the run line, it is anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125. Was only willing to lay up to about a minus 115 here. So now that we've passed through that plus 170-ish barrier, I'm going to be willing to take a shot here on the Nationals. Now, Patrick Corbin has been unsightly bad the last two years, and there is no question about it. But I do think that he's going to be able to find a little bit more of what wanted making him successful last few seasons. He has given up right around 
half walks per nine innings. But the one thing I can say from is that he's not giving up hard contact. He's given up one home run in 32 and two-thirds innings. He's actually picked up a little bit of velocity when it comes to his fastball. So I do think that that's going to be able to help him out a little bit in this spot. Swing and miss stuff is still relatively there. So I think that he's honestly been getting a little bit unlucky. And I do think that there's going to be some positive progression. And you do take a look at Justin Verlander. And he has been lights out this season. He has given up four home runs in 40 and two-thirds innings. But I mean, just six walks in that time span. Swing and miss stuff isn't quite what it was a few years ago. But I mean, the guy is 39 years old. He's got 36 strikeouts in 40 and two-thirds innings at a buck 55 ERA. And what's really interesting about the Astros going into Saturday, number one bullpen ERA. Now, I don't think that this is going to be withholding. You've got Hector Neris, who could always be a little bit of a roll of the dice. I mean, I like Blake Taylor and Ryan Stanek, but I think that you're going to see these guys give up a few more runs. And for the Washington Nationals, it has been a little bit of a hot mess. You've got yourself a guy in Kyle Finnegan, who's got an earth of four ERA. Tanner Rainey last year wound up having an earth of seven ERA. Arasimoto Ramirez has actually proven to be a little bit of a good long guy. Austin Voth, he could be a little bit up and down, but he's able to lend some innings. And when it comes to the Nationals, what you do have with the team is a team that's able to mash. You do wind up having Juan Soto going into Saturday, having hit eight home runs with 11 RBI, which that's just insane the way that guys aren't getting on base for him. But Soto, along with Cesar Hernandez, Kibet Ruiz, Mikel Franco, all entered into Saturday. In between a 258 and a 270, Josh Bell has north of a 425 on base. Nelson Cruz is not able to get it going, but and you even take a look at Yadiel Hernandez sitting above a 300. That has been rock solid for this team, so I do think that the Washington Nationals, should they be a relatively big underdog? Yes, but being able to get them at this price, I'm going to be willing to take a plus price here, and like I said, with the 8, all depends upon the way that the juice shakes out, or if we wind up getting an 8.5, we'll be willing to take that under as well. 977, 978 on the betting board, you've got the Seattle Mariners are going to be in the road face off against the New York Metropolitans. One Carlos Carrasco is going to be going for the Mets, and Robbie Ray is going to be on the bump for the Mariners with the Mets find them anywhere between minus 127 and minus 130 favorites. Meanwhile, with the Metropolitans, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 115 and plus 121 with 7 being your total and this 7 has quite a bit of juice on it. Anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125. Under is anywhere between even and plus 105 and in this spot, I did wind up saying my total at a 7.2. If we wind up getting to a 7.5, I'm going to be willing to take a look at an under end. That seems to be the way that we're turning. This opened up at 8, and certainly at 8, I'd be taking a look at an under, but now we've got very, very juicy 7s now. If this winds up becoming more reasonable, like a minus 115 on the juice, I would be willing to take the 7 over, so it's a little bit more of a juice play here for me, whether it be a 7 over or a 7.5 under, but with that said, with the Mets, I'm willing to lay up to a minus 134 with them, so I'm going to be willing to ride with them. Don't necessarily want a part of the run line, because I do think that it's going to be a little bit of a lower scoring game. You've got the reigning American League Cy Young Award winner and Robbie Ray on the mound. Has been a little bit shaky, and the big thing for him has been the deep ball. Even last year, he was giving up right around 1.5 home runs per nine innings thus far this season. More like 1.5 3 home runs per 9 innings, and the walks issues do seem to be back for him, right around 3.2, 3.3 walks per 9 innings, strikeouts per 9 rate is just 9, and Carlos, aka Cookie Carrasco, is a little bit older in the tooth right now, 35 years old, but 36 and 2 thirds innings, 319 ERA, 3 home runs, 6 walks allowed, he's been able to hold down the fourth. the Mets did wind up losing a couple pieces like Aaron Loop, Jersich Familia in the offseason from that bullpen, but We've still been able to get some rock-solid results. Drew Smith, Jason Shreve have been able to come in. They've been able to do a nice job. Seth Lugo is able to give you multiple innings. And for the Seattle Mariners, it's been a relatively average to below average bullpen thus far. Diego Castillo has been very much a mess as a little bit of a closer for this team. Paul Seawald has north of a 3 ERA. Drew second rider isn't what he was last season. Even someone like a Matt Fessa when he's been out there has been having his issues. And for the Seattle Mariners, a little bit of an all-or-nothing offense with Mitch Hanniger now being out of the fold. Hanniger was really a stabilizing for 
worse for this team. Now you've got two guys in Ty France and J.P. Crawford, both hitting above a 320, and with France north of 20 RBI, I will say Julio Rodriguez, after a little bit of an unlucky start to the season, he's picked it up, but you have Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez. You're able to throw in there Mike Ford, Jared Kelnick, Luis Torrance, Steven Sosa Jr., all entering into what we wound up getting on Saturday, hitting a 210 or lower on them for the New York Metropolitans. Brandon Nimmo's hitting a 300, Jeff McNeil above a 300, along Travis Janikowski. You've seen Eduardo Escobar go into a little bit of a funk along Dom Smith, but still got Pete Alonso. He's been able to do a nice job hitting right around 278 home runs. Francisco Lindor has been a little bit up and down this season. Has been in a little bit of a funk himself, so I do think that that'll keep scoring a little bit more down, but Robbie Ray, very much prone to giving up the deep ball, and with the Mariners, not the same bullpen as we've been seeing in past years, so I did wind up saying my total at some point, too, so I'm looking to see if we wind up getting to a 7.5 and most likely going to be taking that under, and with the Mets, one delay up to a minus 134 with them, and we wrap things up with 979-980 on the betting board. The Colorado Rockies play out to the Kansas City Royals. Daniel Lynch is going to be going for the Royals, and Austin Gumber, great name, going to be going for the Rockies. Rockies are anywhere between minus 126 and minus 135 favorites, plus price on Kansas City. Between plus 115 and plus 120 with your total 11. Unders anywhere between minus 115 minus 120. The overs anywhere between even and minus 105. I wound up setting this one with the Rockies being a minus 168 favorite. So I'm going to be willing to take them here. I don't know if I necessarily want too much of a part of the run line. This is a Rockies team that when it comes to the bullpen, their ERA, one of the worst out there in the big leagues. But we do take a look at this Royals team. And to say that this has not been a team that has been doing a great job on offense would be very, very generous. They don't strike out a lot. And Andrew Benatendi, he's hitting a 325 for this team. And you've also had Hunter Dozier. He's hitting a 275 as well. But among guys that were in the starting lineup with at least 20 at-bats entering into Saturday, these are the only two guys that were hitting above a 233. So, uh, it's not necessarily too great. Nicky Lopez, Salvador Perez, Whit Merrifield, Bobby Wood Jr., all hitting a 215 or lower. Not great. Perez has been able to give you five home runs, but I mean, he is the only guy with north of three home runs on this team. And then you take a look at the Colorado Rockies. This is a team that, as a collective, has been absolutely incredible at just ripping the ball at home. C.J. Crone, among his nine home runs, seven of them have come at Coors Field this season. Going into Saturday, team as a collective, 350 on base, 284 batting average at Coors Field. It's been absolutely incredible to take a look at. You take a look at someone like a Connor Joe. He at home is hitting right around a 321 on the road. Connor Joe is hitting more like a 266. Most of these guys have like 50 points better on their batting average at home than they do on the road. And with regards to the bullpen of the Kansas City Royals, you expected it to be relatively solid. Has not been so good. Josh Jamout has had an ERA that has been hovering right around a 425. Taylor Clark has actually been able to do a solid job, but Jake Prince is currently out the full for the team. Joe Payampas has had to be used as a little bit more of a long guy. And for the Colorado Rockies, Daniel Bard has been able to lock it down. You've been able to have Carlos Aceves, Alex Calme. Calme, not a guy that I'm necessarily too high on, but he's been able to hold down the fort for this team. And take a look at Austin Gomber. Last season, he wound up having an ERA at home that was hovering right around two. And on the road, it was right around a five-ish. Thus far this year, overall, a 436 ERA. I've been giving up four home runs, 10 walks in 33 innings. So nothing great, nothing terrible. This year, he's been a little bit more inconsistent at home than he has been on the road. And to the credit of Daniel Lynch, last few starts have not been too bad for him. He has given up a grand total of six runs, five of which were earned over the course of those last four starts with just one home run allowed, but this is a guy that's still, for his career, you take a look at it, and it's still not overly impressive. Right around a 524 ERA, his walks per nine rate is a 3.9, so I think that he's going to have some issues. Very much a pitcher contact guy as well, which is not something that you want when it winds up coming to Coors Field, so I do take a look at this spot. I did wind up saying the Rockies, minus 168 on the money line, so I'm going to be riding with them, and I do think that with the lack of offense that we're getting with the Royals, 
Orioles that it's going to be a little bit tough for them to be able to get things going. And I do think that we're going to see both of these bullpens have a little bit of progression as well. Set my total at 10.3, looking under, and I'm going to be taking a look at the Rockies, and that will wrap things up for the Sunday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the VEASAN Family Podcast. A big thanks to Jovan Alford of TotalSports.com for joining me in the last segment. If you do like what you're hearing from the Sign Podcast Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Antune, and if you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at score one Keep in mind, letters EM, maybe it does not matter, so it's pretty usual. Please send these into the timeline, and the other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. Then from there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find that five-star review coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. That means I'm coming at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.